We're in Luke chapter 5 this morning in verses 1 through 11. Last couple of weeks we've looked hard at Jesus' baptism in chapter 3 and then in chapter 4 in the inauguration of Jesus' ministry and what I believe was his life verse as he quoted Isaiah 61 and then set out in ministry and invited um, others to do the same. And this morning we will see that inviting others to do, to do the same begin in Luke's telling of the gospel, his gospel. And so beginning in verse 1 in chapter 5, we see when Jesus begins calling the disciples. You heard Coach Clayton mention discipleship in the video and how he came to know Jesus and how he seeks for others to do so as well. Well, we're looking at where this started. Beginning in verse 1, the text reads, as the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had, led, uh, had left them and were washing their nets, and he got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And then he sat down in the boat and was teaching the crowds. When he had finished speaking, he, he said to Simon, put out into deep water. And let down your nets for a catch. Well, Master, Simon Peter replied, we've worked hard all night long and we've caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish. And their nets actually began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled their boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. May God add God's blessing to the reading of God's word. I heard another story this week. It's a story similar to stories I'm hearing every week these days from friends, from acquaintances. And these stories have to do with changing work situations within the pandemic, whether it's someone has lost their job or they are anticipating a change in their job or losing their job, but the, the stories are, um, they're coming. I'm hearing them. And in this particular story, I was being told it was, uh, the, the first loss came pretty early in the pandemic. It was a, a family and the husband had lost his, his job, a job that he loved. So he was really sad about that and very grateful to find another job fairly soon after, um, so they had much gratitude about that, but at this point, a few months into that job, it's becoming clear that this is not a permanent solution. And his wife, a minister, she was in a, a job that handled the pandemic, the ministry she was working with, handled the p- pandemic particularly poorly. And so she had to remove herself from that job because you know, for her mental health sake. And she did find another job as well, but the hours of that job don't fit their family's needs as snugly as the last job. But they press on. Does that sound familiar? 
perhaps. These stories are all too common these days. All of us, to some degree, we are shaken, we are vulnerable due to the pandemic and its already realized effects as well as its looming effects. I feel it too. I learned this week that being a fisherman in the Mediterranean world that we are, you know, their story is set in here, it was a good job. I didn't know this. It was like a middle class, good living. I guess I hadn't asked, but I did not know that. I'm not sure how plush of a job it is today. It seems very hard to me to fish. Now, I, I do appreciate it. Uh, we were down at the Gulf recently, and I love uh, partaking in the fruit of the sea. But for Peter and his fellow laborers, y'all, this was a good job. A good job that they were not likely looking to leave. Now, here's my point. I'm not here to, to dive deeply into how great a difference this was for Peter and his friends in this career change that they were embarking upon. I actually don't believe that our contemporary Western culture is particularly suited to help us understand everything that's going on in the dynamics of this story logistically. So I'd like for us this morning to focus less on what Peter was leaving because I really believe it could have been anything. Now, Peter may be the best fisherman the Mediterranean world had ever known. Perhaps he was. Didn't matter. Jesus said, follow me. And Peter did. I, uh, one teacher that I love, have listened to uh, consistently throughout the years, makes a big deal about discipleship, as teachers of the Bible should. And he talks of discipleship in a way that we would follow Jesus so closely, much like Jews understood how they should follow their rabbi, whoever that was, so closely that the dust would actually kick up off the rabbi's shoes and cover the disciples' bodies, covered in the dust of the rabbi, covered in the dust of Jesus. I had a, worked with a young lady a few years ago who I'm still close with and a colleague in the ministry, and she would sign all of her emails, all of her letters in his dust. I loved that. So you think about that when you think about discipleship. But discipleship is at the very heart of Jesus' ministry. Did you know that the word disciple is used more than 250 times in the New Testament? I didn't either, but I learned that this week. When we launched our Disciples Making Disciples strategy, we did so bearing in mind that the New Testament itself is the story written by the very first disciples specifically to bring about, bring in, make more disciples. And it did. And it continues to do so. Now, in our story, Luke is giving us a picture of exactly what we discussed last week. We have Peter, one who is intent upon recognizing the Messiah when the Messiah comes and following the Messiah, whoever the Messiah ends up being, but giving the Messiah his whole life. That is what Peter would like to do. Peter is a good Jewish man who would have understand discipleship to be just as integral to our life with God as is conversion. Conversion being brought from death to life by God. Now, I like to define discipleship as a lifestyle following and being formed by Jesus. Following Jesus, being formed by Jesus, being all in. You may have noticed the sign behind my head and some of the sermons I'm preaching from my office for Harpeth at Home. I hope you have. There's a fraction on that sign. It says one over 168. 
The one simply stands for this hour of the week that we gather together, whether online or in person, that we come together. The 168 is the total number of hours in the week. And the picture reminds me every time I see it in my office that I'm a disciple all 168 hours. At least I'm supposed to be. Always having the dust of Jesus' feet kicking up onto my face that we are called to be the church at all times. Elliot, I need the mug in that. I'm, I meant to bring it up. I need the mug in that box right there. This isn't integral to the sermon, but I really wanted to use this. Thanks, bud. This mug right here is the kind of thing you get when you're a student minister, which I was a few years ago. This mug has a, a very white Jesus on it with, uh, yeah, he's holding scissors. It says Jesus saves right here. But the, the thing about this mug is, is Jesus has a beard, and when you fill it with hot tea or coffee, Jesus' beard goes away. And so it also says Jesus shaves. It's awful, isn't it? But I love it, and I keep it in my office. We'll make sure that gets back there, okay? Now, Jesus' disciples would ultimately have seen no distinction, hear me, in um, being saved and following and being formed by Jesus, living lives of obedience to him. Obedience for the disciple does not have to, uh, does not have as its goal pleasing God in order to be saved. Rather, obedience to God spawns from being saved already and knowing that we are deeply loved by God. Exactly what we're trying to teach our children that Miss Hannah talked about in the video at the outset of service, knowing that we are deeply loved by God. But Just for a moment together, let's move away from what may be some fancy church talk for us all. All of this following and being formed and obedience and fractions. Jesus shaving. I mean, what does it all mean, right? What does it boil down to? Stay with me for a moment. Stay with me. I, I was really disappointed last week when the Titans didn't beat the Ravens. I really like rooting for the Titans. Just something that, uh, you know, we can talk about which sports are the best, but I'm a sports fan. And every now and then, I have to remember that I'm actually in the minority when it comes to sports fans these days. Did you know that Tennessee is one of 19 states, with Washington, D.C. included, that it is legal to gamble in on sports? I found that out recently. And I think all of the other states are going to fall in line considerably soon. And here's the deal. Here's why I'm the minority in sports fandom. I don't gamble on sports. I actually watch the games because I like to watch the guys and girls play the games and to see who would win and to root for somebody. But the majority of people watching sports are doing so because they are infatuated too often with gambling on the outcomes. Now, I'm not here to tell you whether or not you should gamble, but we do need to be careful with anything that also has a hotline associated with it to help extricate us from it when we become too given to it. Here's my point. This is where I'm going with this. We bet on things every day. It's something that we do every day in every decision that we make, the evaluations that we make about one another, the stock we put in one another about where we're going and who we're going to listen to and trust along the the way. We all bet every day. We roll the dice, so to speak. What does this story boil down to? What do I think Peter would have us glean from this story, this autobiographical moment in his life, what should we learn from, G- from Peter is that we should bet on Jesus. 
We should hitch our wagon to Jesus. Maybe you know that this morning. Maybe that's old news for you, but it's really important. It's really on my heart this morning for me to remind you of that and for us to realize what we're actually betting on in our lives. With the way that we live our lives, with the decisions that were made, with the, the way we get up every morning and think about discipleship and what we're following and what we are hitching our wagon to and whether or not it's actually Jesus because this story is telling us plainly what Peter thinks it should be and it should be Jesus. We are to bet on Jesus and only Jesus. He is not the best choice in our following and being formed by something. He is the only choice. Everything else, anything else will fail to yield a return at all and will ultimately return void. Now, we want to be careful here in understanding this story. Yes, Jesus enacted a pretty incredible miracle in this story. It was a really cool moment. The nets were Field, filled. And Peter's response is really interesting to me, his reaction to the r- miraculous catch. He, he falls down at Jesus' knees. Some translations say he falls down on his own knees. But either way, he is humbling himself, deeming himself unworthy. Now, maybe, maybe Peter was embarrassed that the carpenter, Jesus, knew more about where the fish were going to be than he did. But Peter didn't say, why didn't I know where the fish were? No, he humbled himself and recognized Jesus' greatness and recognized his own depravity. He was in the company of something really important, somebody really important. He knew wholly when he saw it. It brings to mind what we read in Isaiah chapter 6 when the prophet Isaiah is called into his ministry. And he encounters the holy in that moment as well. And in encountering the holy... It's the only time in Scripture that holy is mentioned three straight times. It's where we get our hymn, holy, holy, holy. Isaiah said, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. He did the same thing Peter did. I think Peter had read Isaiah. For Luke, miracles were signs of that God was coming, that the kingdom is coming, that it's already here, in fact. So in telling about these miracles, he is saying, pay attention, get in line, believe, repent, and call others to do the same. This story is not saying, hey, follow this itinerant preacher from Nazareth and he will fill your boats and your bank accounts. It is not saying that. Jesus did not lead them down the shore to the biggest, baddest charter boat and charter out into the waters where all of the the fish were and where the nets would be compromised each and every time they dropped them. That is not what happened. Jesus reversed course. He said, you think that's great? Watch this. Follow me and we're going to fish for people. We're going to be about people. Are you? I think that when Jesus was no longer with the disciples, I think they told this story a lot. When they were hanging out, when they were remembering him, I think Peter told this story. I think this was his go-to when he was having a gospel conversation. Can you imagine somebody hearing about the missionary journeys for the first time, about, on the missionary journeys, hearing about Jesus for the first time? Peter telling them, Peter telling him what it was like to to follow him, to to do life with him. 
Because that's the thing about following and being formed by Jesus. When you follow Jesus, when you're being kicked, the dust is being kicked up on you from Jesus' feet. If we're all disciples, we're doing it together. It's not just us. We're doing it together. Peter's telling this story is something that you can participate in because, because it is following Jesus a little bit further along each day together. They call that church. We can easily get wowed by the incredible miracle of the fish filling up the nets and breaking them. And that is just so cool. Jesus knew right where the fish were. And that is the far weaker miracle in this story. It can distract us from what is really going on here. Every Sunday, we're going to have a new, you know, serve with us video from our team here and how you can get involved. And you can go online right now and you can see all of those ways because it's really important that we come together and serve together. Did you know that churches used to baptize only on Easter Sunday? Did you know this? Some still do. There was once a particular church that practiced this and the way they would practice it I'm connecting this story with what I just said about serve with us. Trust me. Stay with me. The way they would practice it is they would go down to the lake right outside of town. They would go down to the lake and they would plan to be there for a while together. The whole church. And this particular year that I'm referencing here, they had a new preacher. So he had not been a part of this yet. and not seen it fully, but it made, made sense. This is when we baptize. We're going to go do so in the lake. On Easter, must have been in the south, would have been far too cold in other places. And they did it. They had several baptism candidates and they would wade out into the lake, preacher baptized them, and they had these booths set up on the shore of the lake for the baptism candidates and the preacher to change their clothes. And all of this made sense, but then after they changed their clothes, the preacher was a little shocked by what he saw next. They had built a fire. There was obviously a meal that was about to take place, and all the baptism candidates sat pretty close to the fire, and the whole church circled around them. Whole church. And they took turns introducing themselves to the baptism camp, to those that had just been baptized, the newly baptized. And they would say their name, and they would offer a service. Seriously. So if I had been there, I would have said, Hey, my name's Brandon, and if you ever need anybody, to buy you a cup of coffee and just listen to how you're doing, call me. And they would do that all the way around the circle, the whole church. Hey, my name's Gary. If you ever need somebody to cut wood, give me a call. Hey, my name's Beverly. If you ever need a ride into town, I'd love to take you. Give me a call. Hey, my name is Gloria. If you ever need somebody to sit with somebody who's sick, please give me a call. Hey, my name's Peter. If you ever need help catching fish, give me a call. They all, standing around that fire, told the new candidates, the new, newly baptized, exactly what they would do for them, what they do for one another. Then they ate. Then they danced. Not a Baptist church, I guess. I'm kidding. I actually told myself I'd never make a dancing joke, and there I am doing it. And then after a while, when the sun was going down, the same man, one of the longest members, longest running members of the church, his name was Percy, he stood up and he said, All right, folks, time to go home. 
And they did. But not before they cleaned everything up and stamped out the fire. And the preacher standing there with Percy after everyone had left, Percy looked over at him and said, Preacher, I want you to hear me. Folks, don't ever get any closer than this. The incredible amount of fish in that net was not the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle in the story today is still unfolding. And that miracle is being taxed by all of the silliness that's going on within the church these days. It is Jesus who unites us, and we have far more in common than we don't. Do not forget that, and nothing else can unite us. Our focus must be on him, and he has called us to fish for people, to fill our boats, our lives, with people. And if we're not together, we will constantly drop our nets and fill them with nothing all night long. But if we are together, following and being formed by Jesus, we better check those nets where they bind. Better check where they might be frayed. Because Jesus is with us. And I bet you he's going to fill those nets. Let's pray.